Hi, welcome to the Healthy Moms Podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com. This episode is brought to you by two companies that I absolutely love and whose products I use all the time. The first is Kettle and Fire Bone Broth, which is the only USDA certified grass-fed bone broth made with organic ingredients. And their broth is made with bones from grass-fed, pasture-raised, antibiotic, and hormone-free cows, and it's also delicious. The best part is it's non-perishable, so it's available in many stores, but it can also be shipped anywhere in the U.S. without refrigeration, which makes shipping less expensive and more environmentally friendly. The second company is Thrive Market, which is a hybrid of Whole Foods, Amazon, and Costco. And what I mean by that is it has a membership fee like Costco to let you into the low prices. Then it has, it's online like Amazon, and it carries natural products like Whole Foods. And if you live in a real food desert like I do, where it's hard to find many specialty items, Thrive Market may be your answer. So check both of those out in the show notes for today's episode. And without further ado, on to today's episode. Welcome to the Healthy Mamas Podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com, and you may find today's episode a little electrifying, but all puns aside, you have to understand a little bit of the backstory to understand why I'm so excited to talk to today's guest. So Manish Seti is the founder of a company called Pavlock, which is basically a haptic feedback device that you wear on your wrist that may help you train new habits. It can improve athletic performance and improve learning. So in short, it's a watch that doesn't tell time, but that kind of gives you very physical feedback to help you change or make new habits. And I met Manish on a bus to dinner while we were both at a conference. And so we got to talk for a while and I was fascinated by this wearable device that he essentially, it essentially uses aversion therapy to reverse bad habits. And the device is meant to be worn on the wrist. Although I believe that when I met Manish, he was wearing it on his neck on a metal chain (laughs) and some of the conference participants were having fun trying to walk up and push it to shock him. And if I remember correctly, Dave Asprey seemed to be pretty good at that. So Manish and his company Pavlog have been featured um, in the New York Times, and even Mark Cuban seems to have a lot to say about them. (laughs) And Manish also ran the book launch for Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Chef. So Manish, welcome and thanks for being here. Hey, it's a pleasure to chat with you. Yeah, I think it's going to be really fun. So yeah, I remember I remember sitting on the bus with you and I was like, oh my God, is that Katie, the wellness mama? So oh it was gosh. like a very exciting moment for, for me as that well. Was a fun conversation. And I've, I remember from that conversation a story you told me about why you once paid someone to slap you in the face. So yeah. can you share that story? Sure. So um, I've always grown up severely ADHD and um, I've never been able to like kind of achieve the goals that I've wanted to. And I started a blog called uh, Hack the System back in, in 2008, where I would travel and do little experiments to see if I could improve my productivity. I come with a really scientific mind, so I like to choose something that tracks my data and then adjust little experimental variables and see if I can make a difference. And so I started tracking my productivity with this app that would look at all the websites I was on and the apps I was using, and it would give me a score between zero and 100% productive. And my average score was like, in the 30s, like 35 or 38%, which means that an average day of where I'm using like six or seven hours of the computer, I'm wasting like three to four hours, which is like crazy, like two to three hours. That's like a lot of time. So I started running experiments to improve my productivity. And in one experiment, I hired someone whose job was to follow me around. And if I got off task, she would slap me in the face. And uh, she did. She sat down next to me. She made sure I was on track. Um, I was trying to write two articles a week 
And I got four months of work done in four days when she was sitting down next to me. My, my productivity was 98% because whenever I got a little bit off track, she would just tap me on the shoulder and if need be, she would hit me. A few weeks later, I was talking to a friend. I, post, I, I posted that article online and it went super viral. It was everywhere. It was in like 100 different news sources like NPR, Anderson Cooper, everywhere. And um, I got uh, – a, a few weeks later when the buzz died down, I called a friend of mine. I said, hey, wouldn't it be funny if we made like a, a dog collar that could zap me every time I went on Facebook? And my friend said, let's go to Radio Shack. <laughs> so um, he and I went to Radio Shack. He's a lot smarter than I am. And he helped me rip apart a dog collar and, and hook it up to you know your computer and make it so that every time I went on Facebook, it zapped me. And I made a little video that I was pretty sure would go just as viral. But before I posted the video, I thought to myself, this is actually really, really interesting. There's a million wearables out there that are tracking what I do, but this one's actually changing what I do. Maybe this is something more important than just a funny blog post. Maybe this is actually a real thing that can really help me and a lot of people. And that's kind of how I got started with Pavlock. Very cool. So the name is Pavlock, which can you explain the connection there? I'm guessing it's to uh, Pavlov's dogs. Yeah, it's Pavlov's dog. So the product is like a haptic feedback wearable, like you said. Actually, I think you gave the best description of my product I've ever heard. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, it, was a, it vibrates, beeps, and releases electrical stimuli when told to. And it rewards you for doing good behaviors and helps you stop doing bad ones. Um, but we found out that like it, it can be used as a tool. If it rewards you by vibration or it releases the electrical stimulus to punish uh, because you do something – it becomes an operant conditioning tool like um, like B, like Skinner, if you remember B.F. Skinner from psychology. But um, if you use it while you do something, not because of but while, it becomes a classical conditioner or very Pavlovian. So you can create aversions towards habits that you want to stop doing by administering the zap while you do a bad habit you want to stop doing. And so that is the Pavlovian side of it. Um, and the original version design was supposed to lock to your wrist. So that's where Pav lock came from. Okay. It does not lock to your wrist right now. Okay. That was going <laughs> to be my question. So explain a little bit of the tech side of how the device works. So like say someone wants to stop biting their nails or smoking or eating sugar. So how does the device know when to send the stimulus or the shock? Is it only, is it by a movement or do they do it themselves or it, can it be both? It's both. So we designed it to – originally my theory was that it would, it, would, it would need to know, that it would know when I go on Facebook or know when I go on, on – bite, whenever I bite my nails and it would send me a zap and that would help me stop doing it. But we learned about a year into our product, a year into our company that actually it's more powerful – well, it's, I'm not sure if it's more powerful, but it's at least as powerful if you do it yourself. So we have a five-day program we based off of uh, aversion therapy, which is a type of therapy that was pretty common in America in the 1980s and, and 1970s, where uh, you would try to quit a, an addiction or a bad habit by basically a doctor or a therapist would tell you what to do, tell you, teach you about habits in the brain, and then he would say, all right, smoke a cigarette or bite your nails. Now do it again, and you would continue to do it over and over again for a period of time. So in our case, we have a five-day, five-minute-a-day program where for five days you do the behavior on purpose, like you bite your nails on purpose, and either you press the button when the app tells you to, the audio files tell you to, or it, it just does it automatically through the audio. And what happens is it's kind of like, Katie, have you ever gotten like 
too drunk on something and then you get sick and suddenly the smell of that drink makes you like a little nauseous. Oh yeah, I think that's a very common story. <laughs> I think a lot of people have that. <laughs> What's your drink? Um, probably vodka. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay, that's unfortunate. <laughs> um, and and you know like that feeling in like the pit of your stomach, like the center of your chest, where you kind of feel that like ugh whenever you smell that yeah. that drink. Mm-hmm. So we found that we can create that sensation towards any habit. I don't want to say any habit, but towards a lot of habits that even though you used to like that drink and you enjoyed it all the time, just one weird experience caused your brain to just permanently or at least long term change. That was a big breakthrough for us that you can create and you can decide on what habits you want to stop doing through thought plus stimulus. And so when we discovered a lot of literature on this um, science of aversion therapy, we started uh, testing it on our users and we found like ridiculous results. Um, So we did a small pilot study uh, that was done at uh, UMass Boston where we had uh, uh, people who were trying to quit smoking use our product. Uh, They used it for about 10 days. So they would zap themselves for for 10 days whenever they wanted to smoke a cigarette and then whenever they were puffing. And um, you'd have to finish the cigarette. You couldn't put it out to overdo that feeling. And we, we followed up with them at a six month follow up, and 75% of them hadn't touched one in, in, in six months, which is pretty ridiculous. Um, I brought in one of my friends who had done the experiment with us and he couldn't get the cigarette to his mouth. He was so nervous. His hands were shaking. Um, I did it myself with, with Tostitos tortilla chips and still till today, I did it for five days. I ate tortilla chips and received the zap while I did it. Still till today, like the, 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 the Tostitos logo makes me a little bit like, Egh. it's pretty crazy every time I see it. I'm like, damn, that actually still works. Wow. So, <laughs> what I'm talking about, though, is our, is our bad habit breaking protocol, right? We, we, we came up with a product that's a tool. So one of, the, one of the most common uses we see right now, we're seeing a lot, a lot fewer people who want to break their bad habit permanently and a lot more people who want to reduce cravings in the moment. So this one's pretty cool. Like, uh, you know, when you're at like a, a, when you're at a bar with your friends or like you're at a dinner or holiday party and there's just candy everywhere and you know how like you don't want it, but then you have it. And like, if you're standing next to it, you just eat it. And then like your mind is like, don't have it, but your hand is just grabbing it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That like internal conflict. Yeah. So weird, right? Like, why don't we just stop? But, um, we found that, uh, if you, you, if you release the zap while you're in one of those situations, so it's not like this five minute a day program, you just press the button a couple times on the wrist device. Um, it reduces cravings. So like you don't want that as much and you can focus on something and, it, and, and zap yourself a couple times and the craving just goes away. So we've been seeing that being used a lot because it's more of like a, a, a really, like a, it's not a scarier, it's not as scary as the other thing. It's, um, it's more, it's not about quitting candy for good. It's just like maybe sometimes you know you want to stop. So you can press the button a couple times, watch the craving disappear. That's been really, really cool to see that happen. That's interesting. So you're not like forever banishing yourself from eating that food, but you're just teaching yourself to be more moderate and not have cravings in the, in the instance. Yeah, I kind of describe it like, um, I don't know, I'm really, really scientific. So I always describe things like with brain activity. And in your brain, you have this like reptile brain. That's the back, the brain stem called the basal ganglia. And that's where habits live. I call it my two-year-old brain. And actually, this is a perfect metaphor for you because of your blog title. Uh, so exactly. I call that my I call that my two-year-old brain. And um, and that's because I have a two-year-old or I had a two-year-old nephew. He's uh, he I still have him. He's just not two-year-old, two two years old. But um, he uh, you know like whenever we would catch him in like a candy cabinet, like 
you know, you could yell at him, right? And he would stop. But then if you walk away, he might go back the next day and try it again, right? But if you continuously yell at him and punish him for going there, if you do it and you overdo it, or even better, if you make him eat all the candy so much that he gets sick, he'll probably never eat that candy again, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we found that like that, um, that like that's the way I describe it. It's like your prefrontal cortex, your the front of your brain. That's the human brain. It's like your mommy brain. That's the one that thinks and talks. And it's training your habit brain, the two year old brain to either stop doing things right now or to stop doing things for good. And that's been really powerful because it lets you kind of train yourself in the moment to be a better version of you. That's really cool. And I guess to circle back on the drinking thing, for anybody who doesn't understand that analogy, I also would compare it to, um, so I have six kids and every pregnancy with morning sickness, I feel like I lose one food. And I say that because it's gone forever. Like I can never eat it again. So I've lost Chinese food, green salsa, brie cheese, a bunch of different foods I can never eat again because I ate them at that point of pregnancy and then got sick. Is that true? Yeah, I can't eat them again. Whoa, that's really cool. I've never heard that before. So yeah. you're saying that like you ate something at, at – was it in the morning that you got sick or did you eat it in the evening before and you got sick in the morning? No, so morning sickness is a totally fake term. It actually means all-day sickness and I just happened to eat it and then feel sick. I didn't even have to throw up but like certain – like brie cheese makes me cringe and I used to love it and it literally makes me ill just to think about it. That's a great – Example. I've never heard of that before. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah, you're welcome. That might be really good for women to understand because that's definitely still fresh on my mind and I will forever mourn some of those foods that are gone forever. But so I know one question you must get a lot is does it hurt? And like, are there any contraindications medically? Like, should someone with a maybe pacemaker not use this? So there's like, like, there's obvious things you have to say, which is that somebody with a pacemaker shouldn't use it, right? But the device itself is, uh, I, I can't show it to you because we're not on video. It's like uh, it, it sits on your wrist and the electrodes sit on your wrist. So the entire zap passes through a two inch current of your wrist. So it doesn't go through your, 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 your full body, if that makes sense. Um, and even so, it's such a low voltage. It's considered a low voltage device by, um, by the, the European Union and it's CE and FCC approved and all that other stuff. Um, and also like and you felt it, right? It's not really painful. It's more surprising. Yeah, I I think of it more like if you get like uh sh- you know sprayed in the face by like a uh a like a sprayer like not not Febreze but like water in a Febreze spraying thing, like if you get sprayed in the face like or like uh you'll like uh you'll suddenly be aware and be like what just happened, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that fe- and, and of course the device is adjustable, so you can turn off the zap completely and just use the vibration that helps you track your habits. You can just press the button whenever you do the habit, the device will, or have the urge, device will vibrate. You can set that up, of course. But we found that people start off using the Lowe's app and they just do it a few times and it tends to help them, uh, like you set the level in the app so it doesn't hurt too much. You want it to be uncomfortable but not painful. And that, like, the stronger it is, the faster the habit will break. But we're not here to hurt you, we're here to help you. So the device is not designed to be painful whatsoever. Okay. Do you ever have people who get like an unintended overlap? Like they're trying to quit like one particular food, like something with sugar in it, and it ends up making them dislike anything with sugar in it or anything that's just sweet that maybe doesn't even have sugar in it? So I have not heard any stories like that. I will tell you that it's really mental. So you can't like force somebody else to stop liking something. But even if you're not doing the behavior, you can help yourself stop it by imagining it while you zap yourself. Does that make sense? Gotcha. Yeah, that does make sense. 
So it's like, it's very mental. So I've noticed that like, if you eat sugar and you focus on the fact that sweet is bad and you zap yourself while you do it. And we, we teach this all in the audio lessons, um, to pick your focus while you zap. Sometimes it's natural to try to escape the zap, but you have to really like live in it for those five minutes a day for five days to get that thing to be permanently gone. Uh, if you get yourself to, um, like whatever you focus on becomes kind of the association that you create. So that's been really cool. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, we, this year, up, upcoming year in 2017, I'm really excited because I'm planning on, uh, running a few like real trials, not just pilot studies, but like slightly larger medical trials to see if we can make this thing solve Mark Cuban's little problems. Uh, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, we have not seen that happen. What we have seen is, People who expect to go through the five-day program, and I will say that this is not a common thing. If I had to estimate it, I would say 20% of women will message this to me, and it's almost always women, and I'm very fascinated by that, um, that they plan to go through our five-day quit sugar program, and they buy it, and then they eat sugar, and they zap themselves once, and it, it gives them a, a, a very big surprise, and then they say, ah, like they say, okay, next time I do this behavior, next time I eat sugar, I'll zap myself. And then they simply stop eating sugar again. They're just like one zap in. They say, ah, it's not worth it anymore. This thing's sitting on my wrist. I see it there reminding me that I'm the kind of person who doesn't want sugar. And if I have to eat sugar, I'll press that button and it acts as a reminder. And we've seen this happen quite a bit with sugar and with nail biting. Um, one zap happens every once in a while. Where uh, and it's always a it's always female where they never where it only takes one to make it stop going away for good. That's really interesting. I wonder if it is just women feel it more because I have two friends who have used it, and one it was a guy used it to quit smoking and didn't think it was really that bad at all, and it worked great. And another was a mom who was trying to use it, and her son kept pushing the button. He he was really little, but he would figure out where the button was. It basically trained a response in him. He knew that mom jumped if he pushed the button, and um like she eventually had to quit using it because he kept pushing it all the time. <laughs> um, but I saw her walk into a building one time, and he pushed the button, and she literally just like dropped to the floor. So I think maybe oh, women no. are more affected. Or she had it too high, maybe. Maybe she had it too high. I will tell you that uh, my sister uses it with her kids and not in the way you expect. Uh, I, she told me this and I was like, oh, my God, you know, I'm not sure how I feel about using her kids. She's like, no, 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 it's not like that. She said, I have a child who never, ever eats his food ever. And every time I was zapped, he would start to laugh and he would giggle all the time. And so she put it on her own wrist and she said, for every piece of broccoli you eat or whatever the food was, I'll let you zap me once. And he ate his meal and he started eating his meals just to do it. And she set the level to zero so it didn't even zap her. It was just vibrating her, but the kid didn't know. And suddenly she got him to eat his food. So I thought that was pretty impressive. That's pretty pretty ingenious of her. Yeah, that's awesome. Isn't it kind of weird? Like you can't get your kid to eat food because it's good for you. But if you get to hurt your parents, then the kid <laughs> It's that two-year-old brain. It's crazy. Um, so I thought Pavlov was so fascinating because kind of in my mind, it merges the idea of like the just snapping a rubber band on your wrist when you want to stop complaining or whatever it is. And then we have this well-studied side of medicine with shock intervention, but that's certainly the more controversial side. So I feel like Pavlov allows the user to administer it themselves, which seems more ethical for sure. But how's the compliance with that? Like, do you, are people actually willing to do it or... Do you find people who just like they want to use it, but they're just not willing to shock themselves? So my answer is it's not as good as I'd like it to be because I'd like it to be 100 percent. And uh, it's 
kind of, you know, like it's like digital courses, right? You can sell a course, but how do you get someone to stick through with it all the time? That's a hard thing to do. So what we've been doing is hyper focusing on how do we get people to achieve their goals. So my background is in habit psychology, particularly in forming habit psychology. And so we've realized that there's small things that cause people to achieve to to. Okay, so what we did is we did this. We, we broke it down into a very simple course. You follow a five day course. The first couple days, I think the first day you learn about how it works and you track your behavior, no zap. Then the second two days you uh, meditate and track when you do the behavior. And then I think it's day four and day five that you start to actually receive the zap. So we're trying to pull back on the forcing you to like just jump in and scare you and start in by like, let's teach you about the science of the brain and help you understand when and why you do your behaviors. Afterwards, next year, what we're really excited about is we tested having a coach, so someone who calls you and helps you through the first process, right? And we've noticed that just like one phone call causes massive increase in, in success rate for people sticking through with, with, the, with the course. Uh, and so we just created a partnership with coach.me, which is a coaching website online, which I don't know if you've heard of, but they're pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, and um, we're basically going to be offering a free coaching, a free week of coaching for anybody who gets a Pavlock. And in that week, you can finish your first, you know, first week of the five-day Break Bad Habit course, uh, and you'll be able to, like, you know, you get a phone call with the coach. The coach will remind you and ask you, "Did you do the behavior?" And it's, it's, you know, I can't guarantee 100%, but it's written on our wall in our core values: 100% compliance is the goal. That's awesome. I'm really curious to see how that works, but it makes sense that just that one phone call could have such a big difference. Yeah. What's the average time that it would take someone to actually start seeing a result of whatever they're trying to accomplish with Pavlog? So, um, and then can they feel this pretty quickly? So say I wanted to quit sugar. Um, mm -hmm. What would be the average time I would actually start to see that happen? So in no way are we a device that is 100% effective. There's a lot of types of people who just simply, like if you ever played with electric fences when you were a kid, like it probably won't work for you because you got over the feeling of zap when you were a child. Um, we've seen that happen a couple times. But for the people who stick through with the program, uh, more than half of those users will for sure have a, a massive aversion that lasts a long time for that behavior. And I'm trying to, to temper these numbers because they're actually quite high and it always sounds like almost too good to be true. But what I will say is that um, – the awareness of the behavior is the first step in any habit change. And you will notice a difference in the first day. When you zap yourself for five minutes while doing that behavior, you start to notice what is causing that behavior. And that's the real beauty of the product is that it creates a awareness around the triggers and the times that you're doing the behavior. So I'm gonna give you two quick examples. The first one is nail biters. I see this often. Um, I'll do this all the time. I love to find nail biters because I'll put the device on their wrist and give them like maybe a minute of zap and I'll be like, all right, put your hand in your mouth, zap, do it again, zap for a minute. And then I watch them for the rest of the night like a stalker because I'm creepy, but just at this one time because they give me permission. So whenever they um, – you'll see their hand move towards their face and then their head will turn and look at their hand and will be like, what the heck just happened? Like why am I doing this? It's like a look of surprise as they notice their hand coming to their face. And that always happens like within the first um, – like that night. Um, but I'm going to give you another story that I think was really, really fascinating. And it really has to do with triggers. So this woman called me and she was a Pavlok buyer customer. And she asked me if Pavlok could help her with her severe 
depression that she had been suffering since she was like young. And I told her, look, I don't know. I don't know if we can adjust chemical levels in the brain and I have no evidence of that whatsoever. But I do believe that a lot of depression might be like a habit loop, like a negative thought habit loop. And we might be able to help with that. So for the next five days, what I want you to do is whenever you catch yourself in this negative spiral, give me a zap yourself once, take a deep breath and then text me where you are. And so the first day she texted me at work and the second day she texted me on her way to work. And the third day she was reaching for the front door, fourth day, front door, fifth day, front door. And I said, that's weird. What's going on with your front door? Well, there was a flower vase that was sitting next to her front door. And when she was 16, she and her twin sister had a birthday party and a lot of people came and she got no gifts. Her sister got a ton of gifts and her sister said, here, have this flower vase. You can have one of mine. And that flower vase was triggering thoughts of nobody loves me. Nobody cares. And it was creating this circular negative thought habit spiral that manifested itself as what was classified by them as clinical, clinical depression, drugged out of her mind and, and just became like a big, like her life revolved around it. And I told her to throw away that flower vase. And the next day she called me and she said, Hey, it's 2 PM. I don't know what, I think you might've been right. This, this, I was a trigger. I don't feel sad today. And that blew my mind that some, uh, that really what Pavlov had done for her was not break a habit. It was really just helping her become more aware of the trigger that was causing her to spiral out of control. That was a pretty cool story. Wow. That's really fascinating. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned before that it could be used, someone could push it themselves or it could be automated. And I believe there's an app that goes with it. What are some of the ways someone would use it that way? Sure. This is my favorite thing. So like breaking a bad habit is, is powerful and it doesn't even require the app. And one of the main reasons we, we started, you know, targeting towards bad habits is because when we launched our bad habit program, which was like a year and a half ago, uh, it's because our app wasn't very good. And so bad habits worked really well because you could do it without the app. It was pretty effective. There's nothing on the market that does that, right? But realistically, like I said, we're simply a haptic feedback device that receives signals and causes vibration beacons app. So now we've been creating different sorts of apps that have become uh, – they're interesting. So the number one app we have is is targeted towards waking up early. So the device vibrates. It tracks your sleep. And it vibrates, beeps, or zaps to wake you up. Um, if you set it to snooze lock, it's pretty cool, actually. It vibrates to wake you up. And then you have about a minute to get out of bed and start doing jumping jacks. And if you don't do the jumping jacks, then it releases the zap. So that one's a really popular app we have. Our second most popular app is the Chrome Productivity Extension. So this, like, syncs with your Todoist to-do list. It helps you it makes you start doing your to-do list items using Pomodoros. If you know what that is, it's like 20-minute work sessions towards your to-dos. And it lets you set maximum levels of time you'll spend on unhealthy or unproductive websites. So I can't spend more than 20 minutes per hour on Facebook. If I do that, it'll start to zap me every time I go on Facebook. Um, if I spend more than five minutes per hour on Reddit, it does the same thing. So that's our second most popular app uh, after the wake-up-on-time alarm clock. And recently I've been building lots of new ones and next year I can't wait to release all the ones I've been working on. Every Tuesday night I stay up really late and write an integration just for fun. Um, so like last week I wrote one that it uses Chrome's API. Long story short, every time I curse, it zaps me in front of my computer, which is pretty cool. I don't say curse words when I'm next to my computer because it knows. 
We integrated with a, a laser tag company. So if you're playing laser tag and you get shot in the game, you get zapped, which makes it more of a real experience. And there's like a lot of integrations like that. Slack for team chat has been pretty useful. At our company, when someone does something really well, everybody vibrates their wrist. And we've seen that to be a really, really fun way to like add a new sensation of happiness for the team. So those are some examples. Those are really cool. I don't think you like all those existed when, when I first talked to you, but I love that. I'm going to look at the Chrome productivity one. Yeah, pavlock.com slash productivity. And it, it's kind of cool even without a device. So if you try it out, even if you don't have a device, it's, it's okay. It's, it, it gives you maximum amounts, but it doesn't zap you. Obviously, it just shows you a Chrome notification. Um, time to get off this website. Um, and then the one that I think that we're under-promoting is uh, Pavlock Unlocked. And this basically lets you give access to somebody else, like a friend or family member or the public. And it lets them send you messages and vibration beeps or zaps, which is cool. If you're like a couple, you can send vibrations throughout the day. Um, if you go to pavlock.com forward slash zap Manish, you can zap me whenever you want. It's a public link. Anybody can use it. So um, that sort of thing is pretty cool. You can send stimuli to your friends and family across the Internet. That's funny. How often do you get zapped through that? <sighs> it's basically every time somebody posts a podcast, I get like a lot of them. <laughs> 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 well, I apologize in advance for that. It's okay. It's my fault, I think. <laughs> um, so what would you say is the most common use for Pavlock? Is it the smoking or, or the nail biting? What do people usually use it for? Uh, it's waking up early, followed by um, eating healthy, followed by smoking slash nail biting. I, uh, I'm sorry, followed by productivity, followed by smoking slash nail biting. Wow, interesting. And does the waking up early, does that seem to last as much as like the sugar version would? Yeah. So, you know, we've, we've had a lot of users who only had to wear it for a week or two. And we got this like uh, we got like a lot of emails that said the same sentence. I used to be a night owl, but now I'm a morning person. Uh, and we found that a lot of people would naturally wake up a minute before their alarm clock would go off uh, because of the zap would caught would wake them up in the morning. But I would say like that is uh, less than 50 percent of the users who use the, the, the padlock for that purpose. Most people just use it as an alarm clock. So it actually tracks your sleep cycles. It gives you really cool data on how much deep sleep, how much light sleep you're in. And then it will um, wake you up with that vibration pattern. And that, that seems to be a pretty common use case of the app. People will wear it. It's not, it's not about breaking the habit. It's about an alarm clock. Okay, that makes sense because my next question was going to be, so say you train yourself to wake up at 5.45 every morning or to never eat chocolate cake again. Is that ever, can you ever undo it? Like if you decide you do want to eat chocolate cake or sleep till 8 o'clock? Yeah, of course. Uh, so this is something we, tr we try not to talk about too much because, well, no, there's no reason for us to try, not to try not to talk about it. That's just stupid. I'm thinking in my head. It's like, long story short, if you subject yourself to any stimulus, it's called, ex it's called extinction in psychology. Um, so if you, for example, uh, zap a rat whenever it goes left and you put food to the left, he'll stop going there, right? But then if you wait like a, like a, an equivalent amount of time, the rat will finally start to go back that way because it wants the food and it's going to test it out. Sort of like the two-year-old, if you like get it sick, if you, if you make it – if you punish it for going to eat candy, after a while, depending on the strength of the punishment – They'll go back and check and see if they're going to get in trouble again. So what you would do is basically give yourself candy until you um, – or give yourself chocolate. But what's really, really interesting is that you don't want it anymore. And this is the weird part of it. It's like people always say, I don't want to quit eating cookies because I like cookies. I don't want to stop liking cookies. But once you stop liking cookies, you stop liking cookies. 
So you don't want to go back to eating cookies because you've stopped liking cookies and there's no rational benefit to liking cookies, if that makes sense. Yeah. Now, if you subject yourself and you give yourself food, like for you, if you eat brie cheese and you make yourself eat brie cheese, and particularly if there's brie cheese around the house and your husband's eating it and pushing it upon you all the time, like then you might start to like it again. But like that's that's besides the point. You shouldn't want that. So yes, you can get over it, but I wouldn't recommend it. Okay. That makes sense. What about some of the more obscure uses that people have? I'm thinking especially of, I think you told me that you used it to get a better sense of direction. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I didn't use my device to get a better sense of direction. I used another device that we were modeling our Pavlock S unit, our new version off of. It's not out yet, and uh, I'm not sure how uh, long it will take. I would expect it won't be out till June. But long story short, that one has a magnetometer in it, so it knows when you're facing north. gives you a slight vibration every time you face north so that your brain kind of registers which way north is. Uh, and it's, it, I've seen a lot of people describe um, not our product, but another product that is for blind people. I've seen sighted people wear that thing, and they, they and I've used it. And they describe it, and I describe it as like Google Maps for the brain. So you kind of like everyone knows that the north, like everyone knows that in Boston, South Station is that way. I'm pointing to the left, but not everybody knows that it's that way. And I'm zigzagging it. It like maps it out in your brain in a pretty cool way. But again, that's that's not what we do uh, right now. There are some other cool use cases for it. Um, so I use it a lot because I have like been, I have like a crick in my neck, like I've been sleeping on a bad pillow. And so like, you know, those electric tens devices that massage your back. I use it all the time. I'm like crick in my back. It really helps me like uh, stop that crick. Um, so it kind of massages my back a lot. Um, I use it a lot as a reminder, like to get up and drink some water, which I really like. There's some other ones that are a little bit not safe for work, so maybe I won't tell you those ones. <laughs> <laughs> but there's definitely a, like, a, a segment of users who use it for that. And uh, let's see, what else are some really interesting use cases? Um, memory is a really common one. So zapping yourself while you learn someone's name basically has – it's really cool. I can't even describe it. I think – was I with you? Oh, yeah, it was the same conference where I was at a uh, dinner – and there were 30 people in a row and I zapped myself for everyone's name and then I got all their names right in a row and I was like, holy, I can't believe that worked. Yeah, so that was a pretty amazing. You're not quite to Jim Quick's level yet, but that was pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I, he does it because he's naturally learned it. I'm like, I will invent a tool to surpass you. That's my way. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so memory is a common one too. Yeah. Okay, cool. So say someone wanted to use it like you just mentioned to remember to drink water or to remember to do things throughout the day. Um, could they do that, like program it through the app or something or how would they yeah. do that? So we have these habit reminders in the app or you can integrate it with if this, then that. And I basically send myself just like double vibration patterns every hour to remind me to get up and drink some water. Next year, I really want to integrate with some of these smart water bottles. Um, side note, not Pavlock related whatsoever, but Everybody on this podcast, just like pause it right now and get up and drink a glass of water because water is so freaking interesting. And like with our talks with our users and the experiments we've been running, like people can go a night of without sleep and be as productive the next day, usually not more than one night. But you cannot go a day without water and be productive the next day. It just doesn't happen. Water, like 65 percent of like water is is uh, often misconstrued as hunger. So if you're ever like feeling hungry, but you don't know what you want, especially like the way I, I do it is if you're hungry, but you wouldn't eat an apple, then you're thirsty. 
almost always. And so uh, 65% of people are chronically dehydrated in America and 65% of Americans are obese or overweight. So I don't know. There might be some correlation there. Anyway, that's just a side note. I just got a really cool smart water bottle that knows how many ounces of water I drink. It's called Hydrate. And I like cannot wait until they release an open API so I can integrate with them. It's like really cool. Um, so <laughs> back to what you asked me, uh, you can just set it as like a reminder alarm device. You can use it like, to remind – I use it as well every like 15 minutes. So no, not every uh, – on the 15 minute of the hour, I use it with a slight small zap. It doesn't hurt. It feels like a tap on my wrist. And that reminds me to breathe and take a deep breath and live in the present and refocus my energy. So I use that a lot. And um, I also use Pavlov quite often during meditation. Whenever I catch myself off focus or losing control of my breath, I'll zap a couple times and that seems to quiet my lizard, my lizard brain. That's fascinating. So I would guess even just having it buzz at you every 15 minutes would also help you be more aware of time just because you're being mm-hmm. notified. And so that probably has made you more productive also. This is why I like taking out with you so much on the bus. It's like you're thinking exactly what I'm thinking. It's like time is so interesting because time passes so fast when you do the same activity. Whenever you're in a habit mode, whenever you're doing stuff that like you're, you just don't notice how, pa- how time passes, that elongates it, – it shortens your lifespan, your perceptual lifespan. And I've been thinking about that a lot because whenever I'm focusing – you know, like have you ever meditated, Katie? Yeah, absolutely. And you know how like – I don't know if you're like this, but at least at the beginning, it's like it takes so long. Like two minutes is forever, right? Yeah. And like that's kind of cool because we get to live a longer perceptual life, right? And I've noticed that like if you train yourself to take a deep breath, live in the moment and like just just look around you for a second, it's like you get a memory that wouldn't have been there had you not done that. And so and and, like Pavlok is part of this. It's not like necessary. It's just a reminder at this point. But like the ability to like take a deep breath, look around you and what happens in the brain is moving out of automatic mode in the back and towards the prefrontal cortex awareness, bringing back awareness as much as you can. It helps you live a longer life, which is, I think is interesting. I was doing some math yesterday and I realized I've been in Boston for, for almost four years now, three and a half years. And um, there was a study that did some math problem that could kind of identify how time speeds up as you get older. And the math basically said, if I stay here until I'm 35, by the time I'm 50, by the time I'm 35, I'll be 50. <laughs> oh, wow. Because like, it's kind of weird. It's like experiences have become like they 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 become kind of like uh, attached to each other. That I was like laughing because I'm like that doesn't even make sense, but it does make sense. By the time I'm 35, I'll be 50. Time. <laughs> yeah, that I, that's really fascinating. That doesn't make total sense. <laughs> um, so what about exercise? Because I've I think we talked about that a little bit, and I've seen it in other things that you've written about people using it to encourage fitness or exercise. How does that work? Well, so I would say that this is not like we've been playing around with this quite a bit. Um, is it time for us to release the fitness product of Pavlok? Um, and we have not yet done it. You can use it to motivate yourself to get up, but it's not the core function of our current product. We have a product in design that's called Pavlok Fit, and it knows how long you've been sitting down. And if you haven't stood up in a while, it starts to zap you. And But like currently, there's a cool if this, then that integration um, with your Fitbit or your, your Apple Health Kit where if you haven't hit X steps by X o'clock, so like if you haven't walked 5,000 steps by 3 o'clock, it will zap you. And so we've seen people get up and walk a little bit more with that. But yeah, I mean, fitness is a big one. Um, one of my friends is a personal trainer, and he uses it with his friends, like with his 
coaches, coaches, where his clients, where if they're like, if their squat isn't low enough, uh, they get zapped. Um, we released a, a fun one, a fun little one for my friend who's a CrossFit trainer where it was like, everybody do 10 pushups. If one person doesn't do 10 pushups, then everybody gets zapped. So that was kind of cool. Again, fitness is not our core competency and I, I would wait, you know, next year I think we'll be, we'll be better at Fitbit at, at, at fitness. Okay. And I think the one that maybe I'm remembering is that people would use the if this and that to integrate if they didn't go to the gym yeah, on certain so you can days, do then they would get yeah. checked. Yeah. Sorry. So like, um, you can set location awareness and if, if you're not at the, lo- the location, it can zap you. But again, it's not, it's not fully developed. So it's not, I, 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 I it's, if you have a, the best one that is fully developed is the Fitbit one. So if you have a Fitbit, uh, you can actually attach the Pavlock to your Fitbit. It launches in January. We have a clip that clips on to your um, any watch. So you can put it directly on any watch. So you don't have to wear two things. And that um, lets you, like with the Fitbit specifically, if you haven't walked enough steps by X o'clock, it will zap you. That's really cool too. So if it can do it based on location, do you have anybody who uses it to learn to not be late? Like if it, they're not at work by a certain time mm. or at a certain place by a certain time? Yeah. Um, we don't have anything in production that does that, but we did have a hackathon uh, fairly recently where someone wrote this super cool project. Oh my God, it was so cool. So it was like uh, integrated with your Google calendar, right? And the Google calendar knew your location on the calendar. Um, and it looked at your current location and the calendar location and five minutes before you needed to leave in order to make it there on time, it would vibrate your wrist. And then if you hadn't left by the time that you needed to leave in order to make it there on time, it would zap you once and it would send a text message to the other persons on the invite saying, sorry, I'm running a few minutes late. That was pretty cool. That's Uh, that's amazing. Yeah. It's not out in production, but like I would say. You know, this year we have a developer API so developers can write whatever they want. And I, I think we've been talking about so many ideas. It gets really confusing to people sometimes. But like what we've been doing is focusing on um, how do we create a system that helps motivate people to do whatever they want themselves to do with very little chance of failure. Vibration, beep and zap is the first step. But now that we have a product that connects pretty well and it has a lot of users We've been finding developers who are writing apps just like your phone started off by just having phone and text and then had an app store in the same way we're developing out an app store for our product. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to see what's coming down the pike for you guys next year. Do you love the taste and the benefits of bone broth, but don't love how time consuming it is to make? With the time you spend sourcing the best ingredients and then simmering it for hours on end on the stove? Kettle and Fire solves that problem with their bone broth. So they use only bones from 100% grass-fed pasture-raised cattle that are never given hormones and antibiotics. It's also unique because they focus on bones that are especially high in collagen, which is one of the healthiest things you can put in your body. Another great thing about them is they use really eco-friendly minimal packaging and their bone broth is non-perishable. So unlike many bone broths on the market, it ships without the need for refrigeration, which is also much more eco-friendly. It is available in many stores, so definitely check your local area. But if it's not, like it isn't for me, you can order it online and have it shipped to your door, which is what I do. So to check it out and to find out more about why their bone broth is so wonderful, go to kettleandfire.com forward slash wellnessmama. 
If you're like me and you live in an area where it's sometimes hard to find any kind of specialty ingredients, especially if you're talking about organic ingredients, gluten-free foods, or allergy-friendly foods, I highly recommend that you check out Thrive Market. So Thrive is like a combination of Costco, Amazon, and Whole Foods. And here's why I say that. So like Costco, they have a yearly membership fee, and this lets you access all of their special pricing and deals. Like Amazon, they're online, and they also have very fast shipping, and it's usually free with most orders. And then, like Whole Foods, they carry high-quality foods and specialty ingredients, and especially focus on GMO-free and organic foods. So it's really been helpful to me, and I know that you're going to love it too. Um, You can also get a free jar of coconut oil with your first order. So check them out. Go to thrivemarket.com forward slash wellnessmama. I want to switch a little bit before we finish up and I'll circle back to Pavlok, but um, also on that bus ride, we talked about a little bit about your family. And so for all the moms who are listening, I would love it if you could talk about, um, because from what I know of your siblings, they're all successful in whatever they've chosen to do. And, um, and obviously people have different definitions of success, but for those of us who are raising kids, what are some of the things that you feel like your parents did um, during your childhood that helped facilitate you guys choosing to be entrepreneurs or choosing these career paths? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on this and um, maybe they're a little counterintuitive. So, so I think it's a mixture of personality plus culture. So my parents are, are first generation immigrants. They came from India. They had an arranged marriage. My mom met my dad five days before they got married and then got on a plane to leave her country to live with a man she barely knew and had no Skype or cell phone Right. So totally different world that they come from. Uh, Dad still has a turban, all that stuff. And um, I think that like there's a very common thing in America where, you know, you know how Asian cultures like often. So there's a couple studies that show this, that like people in college will say that Asian people are just smarter. And meanwhile, Asian people will say that they try harder. Yeah. And I think that there's this like very and and I know that you're not you're 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 in Australia, right? No, I'm in the U.S. You're in the U.S. Okay, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to state that. But um, there's a very common thing in America where it's like people are smart and you have an IQ and that is how it is. It's like a stable mindset and you do things and that's who you are. Whereas in my family, there was a consistent culture and it was unstated, which is hard to explain, but it was unstated that you you are the best or like you try your hardest. It's not that you are the best. You try your hardest no matter what it is. It was always about trying. And I think this is like that growth mindset versus fixed mindset. I never got rewarded for for good grades. I always got told, well, you got an A. Why didn't you get an A plus? Why didn't you try a little harder? And it was never why aren't you smarter? It was why didn't you try harder? And so that culture, I think, really reflected down upon us. Um, Secondly, I think that like my siblings set off a chain reaction because, like I said, I'm severely ADHD. And so when my, if my sister hadn't gotten into a good school and hadn't become like she, she went to UC Berkeley, um, I think I would have turned out to be really bad, a, a really bad kid. I think I would have been probably, you know, an addict of some variety. And um, instead, she did really well, which caused my other sister to do really well. Then my brother, Ramith Sethi of I Will Teach You Be Rich, who some of your readers might know or some of your listeners might know of, uh, he was like you – know, I grew up with him and he was like my hero in a lot of ways. And so I was very inspired by him. And so when he did well in college, like, or in high school, I just 
like I was going to do well in high school. That was just how it was. There was no decision to try hard. It was just how it was. And I feel like um, sometimes I don't think this is right or wrong. I just notice this happens. I think that Americans tend to be friends with their children. And I think if I were to have kids, I would be the same. And I'm really worried about that because I think being friends with your kids makes it so your kids don't you know, try as hard as they might if you weren't. And so that's just um, that's what I think my parents did for, did to me and for me. <laughs> yeah, that's really insightful. I think maybe that's the conundrum of parenthood is you realize that it's the hard experiences that really shape your children, but you also can't as a parent make yourself give them those hard experiences. Like you're not going to, um, you know, be mean to them just to give them hard experiences. But I, that makes total sense. And I actually can totally echo that culture of trying harder because I had the same way. It was never spoken out loud. But like I had to make A pluses. It was not optional. Yeah. And it wasn't like I got rewarded for it. That was expected. I went to like my, my friend's house and he cursed at his parents. And I was like, what just happened? You can't do that. Like, but like that's how it was. And I, I think that like, you know, I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying it's, it, 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 they, that person was not top of the class. That's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I mean. And um, are you familiar with like personality types like Myers-Briggs and, and Enneagram? Yeah. Are you familiar with Enneagram in particular? A little bit, yeah. That one really was really insightful for me specifically. And this is probably too much information for me to talk about, but whatever. Uh, so so, uh, it's, um, so the, my type is the same type as like um, – it's the, low, the second lowest salary of all types because we tend to have a lot of ideas, but we never stick through with our ideas. It's like a classic uh, you know, ADD case. And it's it, what the book told me was that it's caused by a disconnect with the motherly figure where like I would tell my mom, hey, look at this cool project I made. Look at this cool song I learned how to play. Look at this cool uh, book I wrote. And she would say to me, that's great. But did you do did you finish cleaning your room? Did you finish like and so every time she would try, I would try to impress her more. She would um, t uh, tell me in a disconnected way. Did I do the thing that I didn't care about more? And it became like a systematic back and forth that causes my Enneagram, my, my personality to emerge where suddenly the ideas I have are so crazy only because I could not connect with my mom, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I've been, I've been thinking about that a lot because like I've been looking at the types and the ones that are coddled and the ones that are super loved by their parents are like not the ones I want my children to be. And I don't know how to deal with that because if I were to have kids, it's like, do I, can I possibly spend 18 years being not friends with my kids because I, I know it's good for them? I don't know if that's like how I could possibly pull it off, but that's, it's been very interesting to me to see that happen. That is interesting. Are you, would you say you're like more on the friendship level with your parents as adults or does that, that dynamic stay? Oh, I'm definitely on more of a friendship level as my, with my parents, but there's still the same dynamic. I think the dynamic is a lot clearer with like my brother um, more than anybody of like, uh, older teacher, uh, mentor. Um, and it's hard. And with my mom, it's like, uh, it's still the same, but I think she, she can take like, now she understands that my, I'm, I'm not doing that bad. If I were doing really bad, it would be, it would be a different conversation. But I think because she, she, she can't possibly understand who I am. She can't possibly understand what I do. Um, but I think that she gets the fact that I'm doing something cool. But she does also call me often and say, you know, Manish, there's still time for you to become a doctor. So, <laughs> so, what if, so, yeah, if the yeah. culture is really strong in your family, do you get the pressure to like get married and have kids or does the fact that your sisters did that kind of take the pressure off? 
I think the fact that my brother hasn't done it is taking the pressure off. Oh, funny. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, but definitely my sister's got a lot of that problem. So it was really, really tough. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, definitely. And so that, and like the fact that that dynamic with your mom made that express in your personality, I would guess your siblings with different innate personalities, it, it did th- different things to them. Is that, would you agree with that or? Absolutely. And I think that like, I think that personality, like, if, if people always ask me like, what book would you recommend? And like, what, what would you, um, want to teach yourself if you could go back in time? And the thing I always say so many times is personality types, like for everybody out there who doesn't believe in personality types, I completely agree with you. It is obviously not real. There's not 16 types of people, right? right. But if you ask anybody four questions, they're going to give you four answers. And if you draw those on a grid, you're going to make 16 boxes and some people are going to be in the center of those boxes and some people will be on the edges of those boxes. And what, and Myers-Briggs chose four pretty good questions. And, um, and, and I, I'm not, I probably don't have enough time to go too deep into this, but basically it gives you kind of a common vernacular and a common type of person that, and especially with the internet, there's these forums and groups of people who are like in the same, uh, general area. Some people are finishers. Some people are starters. Some people are introverts and some people are extroverts. And if you find the combination of those people and you find the box closest to you, you find out that a lot of things that you consider bad about yourself, for example, me with my ADHD, I considered a disorder. And every time I did well on a school test, I would have this gigantic imposter syndrome where how did I do well on a test even though I can't get myself to sit down and study no matter what I try to do, wasted time on Reddit and Facebook until the last 30 minutes, and then somehow absorbed the information really rapidly. And I saw that it was because of my personality type. My type tends to just start stuff and learn fast, and we're not good at execution, but we are by far the most creative and inventor type. And the the secret to my success is not going to be by fixing my flaws, but instead surrounding myself with people who do those flaws as their strengths. So when I saw that, I realized that ADHD is not a disorder, but instead it's a superpower and that you can use it in really powerful ways that just the world won't understand. That's really cool. I will say from the mom's perspective too, because I feel like there is this little bit of a mindset of like you have all these kids with different, totally different personalities. So even if you get the parenthood thing down pretty good for half of them, it's going to screw the other half up. And so I agree with you. I don't think there's any, there's no just 16 personalities, but I think it's, it gives you a good kind of general picture of things about their personality. It's not going to be the intricacies of what makes them them, but it's some good general information. And so I've done it with my older kids, the Myers-Briggs, and it was really interesting because I have one son who I'm just like, man, he always seems so quiet and detached. And is he, you know, and my personality, I'm like, is, I'm a, am I offending him? Am I not attaching enough with him? Am I not giving him enough attention? And his personality is the logician who is like Albert Einstein's personality type. And they thrive on like quiet detachment and like doing projects on their own and that kind of thing. So it just helps because now I can give him the space to do that and not feel guilty that I'm not like... Is he an INTP? Yes. That's interesting. Yeah, those are cool people. They're very, very interesting. That's yeah. awesome. So that's really helpful. I love that perspective because um, I feel like... It, we had such a good conversation on that bus and I was really curious what what the family dynamic was growing up and obviously that's very pertinent for me right now raising kids and trying to do the best mm. job I can at that. Katie, did you say you were an INTJ? Um, depending on the day I take it, I'm either an INTJ or an ISTJ. 
Cool. Yeah, because uh, INTJ and me are a perfect match. So maybe that's why we connect so much on the on the phone calls. I like it. It's funny. Awesome. Um, yeah. It's really interesting. I mean, it's, again, it's not real. It's just a model, and and you can model anything. And I find that people who just like blatantly disregard it because they say, "Duh, it's not real." They don't understand that it uh, like, like it's it's just a tool. Just like Pavlock, it's not a solution. It's not the end all be all. There's not 16 people who are ants. There, it's just a really really powerful method to learn about who you are. And if you disregard that, you're, you're making a big mistake. Um, there's a book I can recommend to people called the art of speed reading people. And it teaches you how to identify others personality types. So it's mostly for like business and, and relationships. But I found that to be really powerful for my own understanding who I was. Ooh, I'm going to link to that because that might also help with trying to identify family members and what they are and how to interact with them well, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It's a cool trick. I use it for hiring. Don't tell my employees. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds awesome. So I want to circle back because I said we'd come back to Pavlock. Um, Anyone who's interested, where do they find you? How do they get one? And how do they get started? I'm going to set up a a special link for you at at pavlock.com forward slash wellness mama. Um, so we'll give you like a cool little op, like a little cool, like guide and, and a discount. And, um, the product is called Pavlock P A V L O K. It's P A V L O K. No C. That's how you can find it. Uh, opt in for the email list. If you, if you're interested, I think that there's really cool information. And, um, one of the coolest things that I think I'm really excited about is the fact that I finally circled my entire team and got us all to be convinced that it's not about money. It's about change. Because we truly believe that the number of people whose habits we change are going to be far more relevant than the number of um, dollars we make. And so to us, that means that we've created like a, a six-month money-back guarantee where you can try the product, use it to break your bad habit. Most people break their bad habit in the first month. And even if it works and even if you break your bad habit, we'll gladly take the device back for a full refund. All we ask is that you let us know if it worked for you. Um, and so I'm really happy because I think that I think mothers and recent mothers will get a lot of value out of it. And I'm really excited to to kind of meet your community as well. Awesome. I'm going to try it for the waking up because cool. I'm curious. I've always been a quote unquote night owl. So we'll see what happens. See what happens. Awesome. Yeah. So P-A-V-L-O-K dot com forward slash wellness mama. Perfect. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well as to the book that you mentioned and some of the apps that you mentioned so people can find those as well. And I cannot believe it's already been an hour. This conversation has flown by. <laughs> Damn, I and TJ's got. All right. <laughs> but I, I want to respect your time. time. I think there's a lot more we could talk about. But like, yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for letting me join you on this podcast. Absolutely. And when all these new programs come out, maybe we'll have to do a round two and talk about how those are working. I'm in. Definitely. Awesome. Have a great night, Manish. Thanks so much for being here and for your time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Moms Podcast. To get the bonus from the episode, as well as a content library of free health resources, join the community at wellnessmama.com forward slash podcast.